the hard food, the Tony Schaefer, powered by Sig Sauer, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carry the best. I recommend you carry the best. Carry Sig Sauer. Never settle. We're on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out, Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net.com. And we're on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call X and all that. Uh, and uh, we are happy to be here again. This week, we are joined by an old friend. Uh, often, uh, uh, we, as I mentioned in uh, the uh, the pre-show, we, we often will start off at very divergent points, but come together on identifying so the, the issue. Uh, a captain, a U.S. Marine Corps captain, uh, former Captain Matt Ho, former State Department officer, we came to know each other when Matt stormed off his job uh, in, you know, in, uh, in Afghanistan with the state department, Matt, was that like in the scene of, uh, a few good men, you can't handle the truth. Did you do that? No, I'm, I'm just joking. Obviously. Hey, it was more like a Forrest Gump, uh, scene than, than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the hard truth. Uh, uh, he's a, also a Iraq war vet. Uh, he's been around a long time. He's been in a number of, of policy institutes. I always appreciate his work. We don't always agree on everything. We'll, we'll, we'll stick to the things we agree upon today. Uh, but he served honorably in the Marine Corps. Who And I love the Marine Corps, as you all know. Uh, he's been on a lot of media, and he and I share the distinction of having been on our friend Dylan Radigan's show yeah. back in the day. And uh, I always enjoyed the fact that Dylan would get together a very diverse group of folks and put us in studio and let us talk. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, I mean, I don't know how you felt about that, but I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, I, I thought those segments were terrific. I don't think you'd see anything like that today. Uh, no. Right? I, no. Mean, I mean, in the third person, a lot of time was was, was Brett McGurk, who yeah, went Brett back, in, who had yeah. come out of the Bush administration, and he went back into the, the government with the Obama administration to head, uh, basically, the Obama administration's Iraq and Syria policy and yeah. stayed on with the Trump administration. And now he is running, basically, Middle East policy for the He's United States. Still yep. there, very important person. But yeah, he's, I mean, but that was what was great about Dylan. And he would let you talk. And we'd have like yep. these 15 minute long segments. And with maps, with us in the studio, being able to outline things. And right. what was always yeah. interesting is that we were going against the narrative, which I always appreciated him allowing us to do. And 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 I told Dylan one time privately, it's like, how are you getting away with this? <laughs> how is it there? Well, and, 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 he ended up- he was, yeah, he no, ended up turning down like a, a $2 million deal with MSNBC because I think they were trying to tighten the screws on him. I remember I they was, I, yeah, I was I, reading through the New York Times one day. This is back in 2012, maybe. And uh, there's this article on how Dylan Radigan was leaving MSNBC and knowing Dylan and having become friends with him and, you know, uh, seeing him uh, and talking with him, not just on the studio set, but off the studio, on the telephone, things like that. Yeah. You know, I got to know the guy and I think he had, this is something I think that, you know, people who are watching, who are in agreement with you and a lot of things understand the term moral injury. I think he had moral injury from his time on CNBC uh, back before the financial crisis when he was, you know, pushing the party line, pushing the company line, pushing the Wall Street line. Yeah. And then and then he wasn't going to go along with it. And he had a moment, I think it was 2011 where he just went nuts on what the Obama administration was doing in regards to the Great Recession, the bailing out of the banks, all those things. And he just lost it in a very cool manner. He lost it, right? He wasn't yeah. embarrassing. Well, I remember he that. He had, a, yeah. he had a 
Publix. And I think I think that was the that was it. I mean, that was that where MSNBC said, "Okay, here's your two million dollars if you never say anything like that ever again." And by the way, what you're saying on our foreign policy also is something we can't go along with. And yeah, yeah and he was out like so many of them at MS, MSNBC. The list of people at MSNBC, right, who have uh, left: Jank uh, Uger, Crystal Ball, Phil Donahue, Jesse Ventura. You know, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few others who have for the same reason that Dylan Radigan left was because they're controlled. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I I used to enjoy the fact that I was on MSNBC. I used to enjoy that. I mean, we did. I did. I mean, we can talk about that train trip we had up to. uh, Oh, my God, I do. We had to get off mid trip and and, and, uh, the emergency moving between trains in Baltimore. That was great. That was a great. That was like. But that was all part. Yeah, we were. We were on it quite a lot. We were on it yeah. uh, weekly, basically, uh, yeah. you know, at times. Yeah, it was cool. No, it was good old days. And but that's my point. It's like we actually had real news, real dialogue, pretty much unencumbered. And I don't, I think I, I think that they didn't believe that that slot in the afternoon would amount to much. Like, yeah, we'll throw this in there and let it go. And Dylan was bright enough with enough. You know, I know some of the producers. I stayed in touch with Tammy for a long time. They mm-hmm. used to book us. And and she did, you know, the five after. And it's like, no, we want to bring in people who are going to have actual real discussion. And, oh, my God, you know, I think eventually I figured out this show is actually picking up viewership. It's doing yeah. well. We want to translate the viewership and, and ratings, but we don't want the content because the content is, is counter to what we want. So, yeah, you know, and, dilemma. and, you know, Jenk Uger, who is podcast hope with, with the young turds, people familiar with him. Yeah. Um, I think he's running, actually, in a Democratic presidential primary. Um, but when Uger left MSNBC, his reasons for it was, look, we are controlled from the White House. The White House tells us yeah. what we do. They review what we're, who we're going to have. They're going to they're going to censor us uh, in terms of what we say, who we put on the air, what we yeah. cover. Uh, and that's I, and I think where you really saw it happen, Tony, because you and I disappear from MSNBC around 2012 or so and maybe into 2013. We're still getting on. But that's yeah. when the, that's when the MSNBC embrace their uh i think they called it their all-in policy which yeah. were basically where they were we were all in for the democratic party we were always people would always recognize that we were the blue network that we favored the democrats but we weren't overt about it but now we are going to be overt about it and certainly their ratings and their success over the years not as great as fox but certainly better than cnn cnn's yeah. shows that uh but i think at that point though if you weren't on team red or team blue they didn't want you, right? So oh, I people like that, us you know, were going to go on and give like a balanced, objective perspective. We're we're not welcome. No, I'm still on the Fox No Fly list because I would not take points. Okay. I don't know if you knew that, but no, I no, I, I, I didn't because I, I knew you were doing it for a while. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, no, I I flew too close to the sun and kept poking him in the eye. And uh, once my friend Catherine Harridge left, Ka- you know, no no secret, Catherine broke able, da- you know, broke the whole able danger thing, mm-hmm. and we've remained friends since then. Once Catherine left, it's like, I don't care. I didn't, they didn't pay me. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like I want to burn bridges as I go. And I kind of did. I don't want to get into it here. But, man, I it was it was uh, it was an interesting exit. And I, I yeah. uh, they called me into their personnel department because I walked into two executives, an executive and, a, and an on-air personality having a kiss. And they weren't married to each other. Just saying. So that was an interesting <laughs> It's like, okay, this is interesting. So anyway, I, I don't, because so, I hey, could go grist, into that. Grist for your memoirs, man. Grist for your oh memoirs. My <laughs> the next one, you know, op, you know, we did Operation Dark Heart, so we'll have to figure out uh, Operation uh, Zippity Doodads, the the, the, uh, the the Fox News behind the scenes story or something like that. So 
Anyway, uh, we, we digress, but it's great to catch up on all of the stuff that we, we miss out on. But suffice it to say, I think we've, uh, councilman, I think, uh, you know, judge, I think we've made the, a, a, a valid, uh, foundational argument of our relationship and perspective. Right. So here we go. <laughs> right. And some of the other things. So, and I know you've been having to go to freaking court over some of the freaking nonsense regarding elections here in North Carolina, which I want to get to, but let's get, let's get to one of our favorite subjects. The AUMF, the Authorized Use of Military Force, uh, also known as uh, the ultimate check to do and, and, and see and kill anything you want for as long as you want, pretty much. And I hate right. to be that descriptive about it, but that's kind of a blank check to the Pentagon to continue to, to conduct any military operation anywhere they want, as long as they can have some loose tendril to some event somewhere that may have been somewhat related to the 9-11 attacks. Is that, a, is that an accurate description of, of what's going on with this thing? Right. That's a completely accurate. It's it's safer for them to use that AUMF, which is yet yeah, now well over 20 years old, 22 yeah. and a half, however many years it's been, right? Since September 12th or 13th, whenever they passed it, 15th, around that point of 2001. Here we are in 2024. And exactly, yeah. Tony, they're able to, as long as basically you are dealing with brown-skinned Muslims in the Middle East, you can apply this to them. That's basically what yeah. it comes down to. That's, that's it, horrible, it, but you're right. It's horrible. It is, yeah, right. it is ludicrous. It's ridiculous. It's grotesque. It's immoral. It's illegal. Uh, on and on and on. Uh, but it's for the White House, and this goes for every White House, Republican oh, yeah. or Democrat. Uh, right. It's it's reliable in the sense that it seems to be bulletproof. While using, say, arguments along Article One of the Con Constitution gives the president this power, a commander in chief. That's not going to, you know, that that's that's already got way too many holes in it. That's already been taken down judicially on, an, uh, you know, at that you have the war powers resolution. I mean, so you have, uh, uh, you know, basically the last 20 couple of years, like, as you said, the AUMF of 2001 has been a blank check for the White House to do whatever they want. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because I mean, one of the things I find most troubling is like I, you know, I do I work now for Newsmax and I'm on often, and I got a question about legality. It's like, well, how's how's Biden going to get away with this attack on the Houthis? Because he will because of the AUMF because Congress has completely abandoned any interest in, in in oversight of any funding for anything at this point. And I think is you know my my dear departed friend Walter Jones, God rest his soul, Walter Congressman Jones, used to talk about how from his perspective. This is completely unacceptable by the fact that the Pentagon can just do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, and then tell people after the fact. And he thought that was a very dangerous situation. So I do too. You know, I'm, I've never fought oversight as much as I've done dangerous and stupid things on behalf of this country. Accounting for it, I had no problem with. Like, yeah, I, I, I did this. And uh, but at this point, it's kind of like, yeah, he can go do things. And and you talk in some other interviews about the whole NATO thing and uh, Libya. I still don't understand how we got away with. With uh, no accountability on Libya, removing Muammar Gaddafi, you could hate Gaddafi, you could disagree with him, but the idea of dismantling uh, essentially a stable government in a nation that essentially was was growing up, was moving in some economic direction, showing maturity. Oh, I don't want him to be mature. I don't want him to create a new currency. I'm just going to kill people. How 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 is it we don't talk about that? Right. Yeah. It's just there's a, a arrogance that comes with power and entitlement. Mm. Um, yeah. That has not been checked as the Constitution required that requires the Congress to do to check the executive power. And yeah. they have not done that. Uh, one of the prime ways to do that is through oversight. 
Uh, now, the way you do that is through controlling the appropriations. If you don't like oh, yeah. the way, right, you know, this is always a thing about, you know, so I come from the left and always just amazed, say, during the Trump presidency, when the Democrats would decry President Trump as, you know, this this evil Russian agent who needs to be stopped. And then they'd approve a record amount of defense budget for his administration, right? Or right. a record intelligence budget or right. just continue, right? Uh, record amounts of money to, for Homeland Security, right? All like, so you're giving this dictator the weapons, the army, the police forces he needs and fully funding them, you know, so they have appropriations power and then they have legislative power as well. And they've refused to do anything to check the executive authority. I think both sides, Democrats and Republicans, know that their White Houses, when they are in power, are going to do these things, that they're, you know, that they're our commander in chief, our president, our chief executive acting almost as a king is going to do these things, is going to wage imperial war basically whenever they want. And so, you know, there's a, but I remember, I'm sure you worked on it as well, Tony, with, 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 with Walter Jones, with Mr. Jones. Uh, I remember at least two resolutions he put forward. Uh, I, I participated in one with him, with Tulsi Gabbard, who was the who co Tulsi, you know, yeah, I used to right? advise Tulsi. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Tulsi and, 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 and Walter Jones put forward resolutions calling for an act of war that's not approved by Congress to be an impeachable offense, to designate yes. it as an impeachable offense. Really, I mean, right. they could bring impe- So that's one of the things that you see. If a friend of mine, colleague of mine, Sam Hussein, he has an, uh, a thing out on a Substack today exactly about this. Is anyone going to bring impeachment charges against Joe Biden for waging you know, offensive military action against Yemen? Uh, you yeah. know, where it, it basically expanding this Gaza-Israel war into uh, a regional war. No, and that's where I think uh, he's done a number of really ham-handed policy things. And I'm, I'm not sure if they were done to make it look like he's incompetent or done purposely to create conditions for the for the chaos we now see. Because obviously you and I would agree, I think, on this point, the people who universally benefit from the chaos is the arms industry, the guys who make the money. Right. And it's like it's kind of like they've said the quiet part out t- out loud several times. Oh well, you know, most of the money we spend goes to the defense industry. You think? Do you think? I mean, uh, geez. And it's it's kind of like you know. And this is good, brings me to my next topic, which is Ukraine. So, um, you've been on with my friend uh, Judge Napolitano. You know, long before we we're having this conversation, I think you and I have been saying a lot of the same things. Without talking to each other, by the way. I mean, we've we've this is the first time we've talked in like what ten years. I mean, this I is bet. I bet yeah. it's been a while, and and we've not we've not even sat down and we didn't have a call. It's like no, it's like no, I, I didn't know you were in North Carolina uh, with me. Yeah, we didn't even know. Yeah, I mean, I knew you were North Carolina because I heard I saw some of the stuff they were talking about you in the media. Right, but you know, I you know, I, by the way, I'm running for office. I don't know if you knew I'm running for county commissioner here in Trewan County. So. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, they talked me, they literally talked me into it. It's like, I'm pretty happy being retired. No, no, no. You know, it's like, Good. No, no. I really yeah. like being retired. No, 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 no. Service, service, service. Well, okay. Anyway. So well, I, I do plan on doing what I can. I mean, I love the people here. And so it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, there's things I want to do and it's going to be in. And I like politically, they know I'm not like a normal Republican. It's like, look, I'm, I'm more libertarian than I'm Republican. And, you know, oh, no, we're fine with that. It's like, okay, well, so we'll we'll see where it goes. But my point being is that um, within the context of our discussions, our public discussions, um, the Ukraine thing has been really something that that 
that I I find interesting. You you got to be all in or, or or you're Russian. If you don't support Ukraine 110 percent, you're pro-Russian. It's like no, they're both they're both knuckleheads. They they're both bad. Right. right. I mean, this is like you know I, I don't know how many times I've seen in my social media. Oh, you're just a Russian stooge. It's like no, I've got Russian bots upset because I call Putin a thug. I mean, literally, I've got nasty emails from these Russian. Uh, things like how do you tell? It's like he's a, he is yeah. he's murdered repub- reporters in in elevators. I mean, what do you want me to say? He's a thug. He called he Putin exactly. calls himself a thug in his own book. I mean, what do you want? But yeah, but, but, I, you're usually on a good track. I get the same thing, Tony, because I'll have like a reply on Twitter to something I said or wrote, and it will be calling me a NATO stooge, <laughs> and then the next next tweet will be calling me a Putin stooge. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah, so. You can't be objective and say, look, there are issues here that if, if someone is going to be honest, needs to look at from both sides. I'm a Reagan right. guy. So for me, it's like if you don't understand both sides and you can't actually establish any sort of policy or objective uh, set of actions to do something because you're going to screw it up. And I would argue that, you know, uh, before the war. The Ukrainians were seen as the second war, second most corrupt country in 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 the Europe in Europe, only followed by Russia being the first corrupt country. Right. And yet somehow within a 24-hour period, everybody in Ukraine's a saint, and they're supposed to be given all this money without regard to to outcome. It's like, how did that happen? So let's talk a little about that. How is it that we we as a society recognize there was huge corruption in Ukraine, but oh, they're our best friends now? How does that happen overnight? Well, there there certainly are uh, elites, as you can call them, established interest, uh, institutional uh, powers, uh, however you want to describe uh, major elements of our society who had interests in Ukraine uh, that were going to be benefited by Ukraine turning to the West as opposed to, right? I mean, that was the idea. And so for a while this, you know, people will say, well, how does it go exactly like you're saying? How did it turn overnight? Because if you recall in the debates between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama in the 2012 uh, election and the general election debates, uh, in one of them, Barack Obama is 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 mocking uh, Mitt Romney for suggesting that Russia is an enemy of the U.S., saying, right. you know, why don't you go? I think he, 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 he just said, you know, the way he described it was 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 like a pre Cold War mentality, not even a Cold War mentality from me. But then, within six months, there was a very aggressive change in attitude by the Americans. Overt change. You can argue that this confrontation certainly have been, has been going since the Soviet Union dissolved, right? Well, I, agree. I agree with your been, assessment. Right, I that's your completely the case. Yes. But becomes much more overt, and it becomes a priority of American policy to push the Russians out of Ukraine. I think it has a lot to do with capturing the energy market in- Bingo. Um, right? I mean, because this? where was where was all that fracked gas gonna go? And if you look yeah. what happens in 2012, 2013, as the US is turning this pa- policy around, right? You see uh, applications for about a dozen LNG, liquid natural gas facilities or expansion of existing lack. And where are you going to export those to? Where are those Gulf and uh, 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 East Coast you know, facilities going to export to? They're going to export to Europe, to Central and particularly Western Europe. And for me, that's a lot of it. But there's also to the ideology. Right. So you have people getting it put in power, say, such as, you know, the infamous Victoria Newland, who is in charge mm-hmm. of American European policy. 
right? And her neoconservative vision, as well as others who filled out, uh, you know, the State Department, the NSC, the Pentagon, who were just in this mindset of here's our chance to expand our boundaries, to, 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 to make our presence, our, our shade on the map into, you know, larger, into more places like it's a game of risk. So I'm with you. I mean, I've said flat out that as much as Putin professes to support Russian speaking rights, which I think he does, the main sure. issue is energy. It always comes down to where the energy is. And so the, the 2012-2013 discovery of massive amounts of oil and gas within the region really did, I think, set in motion a lot of the issues you and I are talking about now. It's all about yeah. the money, so to speak. And, and oil is money. And so right. I know for a fact, and the British are really hard in this. I think the British are harder in this pro-Ukraine thing than we are. I mean, they are like adamant. And you know why? Yeah. Because right now, they've got to get most of their LPG, liquid petroleum gas, from Oman. I've, I've actually met with British intelligence folks on this. It's like, yeah, we don't like the idea of having such a fragile uh, access to, to LPG. So the idea is, gee, uh, Ukraine's a lot closer than Oman. And it's a lot more yeah. certain if you can do that. You can even get a pipeline done. So, of course, the British are going to be all in for doing this over. But both sides hide behind this 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 completely uh, shallow veneer of virtue. Oh, we're doing this for the people. Yeah. They have murdered a whole generation of Ukrainians simply because they thought they could use them as a lever against Putin. Am I wrong on that? That's absolutely right. And in the same way, too, the, the Russians have uh, they're dead. Is astounding. Oh, yeah. no, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Right. You know. I mean. It's it just. But just to get back to your point about all, all our views, because you could take what I just said about it as being uh, an endorsement of what Russia did. Well, Russia had to defend its interests. The U.S. was trying to kick no Russia doubt. out. Right? I mean. So it's just. But it's 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 one. It's frankly annoying to have to you know immediately say. But I don't support Trump. But I don't I support Biden. But I'm not, know. I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not getting a check every week from the Kremlin. You know, I mean, like, it's so annoying to constantly have to do that. But that's the society we live in. It, it, a lot of that gets back to what we were talking about earlier about the cable news networks and MSNBC and Fox and all that. We could we can go back down that path. But certainly, um, let's say, uh, you know, what was done here, uh, putting forward this unwinnable war, uh, first of all, refusing diplomacy. Uh, yes. not just refusing diplomacy, but, but, but sabotaging Horrible. diplomacy or, or, right. or, or not even, even that using diplomacy in a manner to manufacture and ensure that at least a very cold war came about, if not this conflict. This, I think, is a war that was long wanted in Moscow, in London, in Brussels and in Washington, D.C. You know, so yeah. all different types of interests here. I mean, recall throughout the last decade, a lot of commentary in Europe and the U.S. over, hey, is NATO necessary? Well, what makes NATO so necessary now? Well, we have to defend from the Russian hordes, from Vladimir Putin's regime. We have to defend democracy. That's what they're saying right now at their <laughs> one of their conferences. You know I mean, so lots of different interests that collided here on both sides to bring about this horrific war that is unwinnable militarily and right. who strategic the, where where this goes in terms of delivering strategic as well as political benefits, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a loss for in a lot of ways. No, you and I both. I don't. Yeah, I just I see it like you do. I mean, when I I saw your interview with with Napolitano with the judge, it's like no, Matt and I are like we we see this completely again. As I always find it interesting, yeah. you and I will come at things from completely different start points. Like no, he's right, <laughs> he's correct, and you know we I don't think we 
we actually talk to the same people, but we come to the same conclusions a lot of the time, which is very interesting. But to that point, the 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 Maidan revolt revolution was that was not for democracy. The people of Ukraine had spoken, and and this was a Victoria Newland driven essentially color revolution to say what it is for what it is. And I, I'm one, I don't think we should be interfering. I believe George Washington was correct. Don't get involved in foreign entanglements. And yet here we are in the middle of this. And this whole NATO thing drives me nuts. And you point out rightly in, in the, 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 the Politano interview about how basically we, we, the West gave our word to Russia. We weren't going to expand right. NATO and we did it anyway. Right. I mean, we did it yeah. uh, on multiple occasions, not just, yeah. not just Americans, but Brits, French, Germans. I um, mean, this is all well-documented. Uh, there's yep. a lot of there's a lot of uh, commentary out there that pretends that there's no documentation. Those people are lying. It's as clear as that they're lying. You can go to the National Security Archives at George Washington University and look at it yourself. Ton of documentation. I know. Documentation. Make it as assurances as well. Then too, from foreign policy experts in the United States. You know, most famously in '97, I believe it's it's a, a open letter put forward by 50 former generals, admirals, diplomats. Uh, ambassadors, et cetera, intelligence uh, uh, chiefs saying to President Clinton, enlarging NATO, pushing NATO east would be a catastrophic mistake. And yeah. here we are now. And we all agreed. I mean, you and I and practically minded individuals who understand the consequences of bad decisions agree. Right. It's like it's a bad idea. Right. And let's go through that list real quick, shall we? Mongo, the Mongols, 1237. Ottoman Empire, 1570. Sweden. 1708, the French, ooh, oh, oh, ho, 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 ho. Uh, 1812, a little guy named Napoleon, uh, Japan, 1905, uh, the U.S. intervention, hey, that's us, 1918, right. and of course, Germany, 1941. What, what are all these, Matthew, that I just read off? Those are all invasions of Russia by outside <laughs> powers that, you know, and it's, 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 it's a double standard we have, right, that allows us to have things in our history that provide background and context and inform our decisions now. We, as a culture, forbid other nations to do that. So if you bring up this point of like, right, of like, look at all the times Russia, Russia's been invaded by the United States, you know, yeah. in the last hundred years, basically. And well, no, that doesn't matter. Uh, history begins on a certain date. So this is why, you know, history for the Americans in the Middle East and Afghanistan begins on September 11th, 2001. I know. You know, for it's many crazy. people, what's happening in, 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 in Gaza begins on October 7th. And for what's happening with Ukraine uh, in the American media, it is, yeah. it is forbidden to bring up the fact about anything prior to February 24th, 2022, the day of Russia's invasion. You know, and again, providing context and background and trying to be objective is not a bias, but that's what we contend with. We do. And so uh, we're at, uh, halfway done with the show. We're going to be back with part two of The Hard Truth with uh, Matthew Ho going through and discussing the, the, the communications, political realities that we face. And we'll be back right after this uh, quick break. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. 
These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Hey, this is the Hard Truth Tony Shaper Part 2. Still sponsored by Six Hour, Never Settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. I recommend you carry the best. Carry Six Hour. So, also, a quick shout-out to our friend Cherie Curry, who does our bumper and theme music. Cherie, we love you. Uh, I'm obviously wearing her T-shirt today with uh, her sister, uh, Marie. And uh, they're both uh, great friends of the show. And we hope to have uh, Cherie back on soon. Right, Chris? Uh, yes. Uh, hopefully very, very soon. Hopefully very, very soon. So, and then uh, she can talk about her experiences in, 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 in Tokyo with Godzilla. No, she can't do that, but it's it's a good idea. She could back <laughs> in the 70s. So anyway, but uh, we're now joined uh, by the rest of the crew, by the irreproachable uh, Elizabeth Breckenkamp, joining us from uh, from Virginia, and mm-hmm. uh, the unblemished Chris Cordani from- Sort the, of, yes. Sort of. Sort most, of. It's better than being- uh, you know, I mentioned, and of course, Matt Hope, Matt, welcome to the part two of the show. I, I you know, I, by the way, you, you speak often about Tony Blinken. Uh, I often refer to him as my nickname for him from his, his uh, rock and roll days in college. Spanky <laughs> banana. I don't know if you Spanky knew that he, that was his nickname, but, and then I, I've got a new nickname. I used it earlier out of context, but the new nickname I have for, for Lloyd Austin, you know, I was in combat with Lloyd Austin, by the 
He was a brigadier general. He's in my book, Operation Darkheart. My new nickname for him is uh, Zippity Doodads. <laughs> I think it's a good name. I think it's apt based on everything going on. Just saying. So. Uh, well, not that there's anything wrong with Zippities or Doodads, but you know, you put them together and you're one Walter uh, Reed. What can I there's say? There's something you know? wrong with Doodads. <laughs> yeah. And Walter Reed. <laughs> Speaking of Doodads, let's talk about North Carolina. So, uh, Matt, uh, you you ran for Senate. And I was uh, listening to some of the the horrible stuff you had to go through today. So tell us a little about your your what what drove you uh, to to run for Senate and what kind of came out of that. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is this was last year, last election cycle, so 2022. And um, uh, in the summer of 2021, I was approached by the Green Party to run uh, for them in North Carolina. And, you know, basically had three goals was to uh, uh, get the Green Party ballot access because I'm a big believer in a multi-party system. I want to see our elections expanded. I want more access to elections. You know, so I believe in, you know, uh, also, yeah. too, I had thoughts that what if I was able to get on the ballot? Would I be able to bring up issues that are not going to be brought up by the Republican and the Democratic candidates? Well, things like war and military budget be on the ballot if someone isn't there to advance them. And so, uh, you know, uh, able to do that in a very limited way. And so, you know, th we went for it. We tried to get on a ballot in North Carolina. You have to, uh, for a party to get ballot status in North Carolina, you have to collect 14,000 verified signatures. We collected 22,500 signatures. And uh, almost immediately after we submitted our, our signatures to be certified, we were being accused of fraud. Uh, saying I remember, yeah, had, I heard about yeah, that. We had doctored and, and even before we had gone to the state elections board with all our signatures to be certified as a party, the Democratic Party of North Carolina had retained Mark Elias's law firm, Mark Elias oh. being the, the biggest lawyer in the Democratic Party. Um, yeah. They are the part, they are the law firm for the, for, you know, the DSCC, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. This is, this is Chuck Schumer's law firm, basically. So even before we went to the State Board of Elections with our signatures, they had, the Democratic Party of North Carolina, had brought on Mark Elias to do everything they could to keep us off the ballot. So I, 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 I don't want to say this is unique to um, Democrats, because I think Republicans, if they saw if they saw the Green Party potentially taking votes away from them, I think they would have probably also done similar things. But it's very interesting that you should mention, and I think this is something that I've seen also uh, continue now. I mean, right now, as we speak, at the time of taping our show, uh, the Democrats have prohibited my friend Marianne Williamson and that other Congress member from being on the ballot for the primary. I think the the ballot is the fifth of March or here for the for the primaries. And um, they, they, the Democrats, broke their own rules. Not only did they not follow the idea of democracy, of giving uh, voice to those who want to have options, they prohibited, Matt, anybody from Joe Biden being on the ballot in March. I mean, to yep. me, that's insane. It goes right. completely against their brand, but they're doing it anyway. Right. And, it, and it's such a short-sighted move. It's probably going to cost them votes. You know, Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips are not going to win the presidential primary for the Democratic no. Party in North Carolina. But what no. you can do is you can anger. Now you've done another thing 
to anger your voters, right? Now you've done something else to, to push away people from your constituency or, or who are Democratic Party loyalists. You're giving them another reason besides, you know, this failure of a White House, you know, what, what the Obama administration did to the middle class, you know, things like that. You're giving them even greater reason to move away from your party by denying them the opportunity for people that they want to vote in. And, you know, in this case with, with Phillips and Williamson not getting on their ballot, if, you know, in the primaries, uh, they met all the requirements of the North Carolina right. Democratic Party. And exactly. then, and when, when Williamson and Phillips appealed to the state board of elections, the state board of elections, which is run by Democrats and Republicans, they went with the Democratic Party. The Republican Party, of course, went with them because they want to be able to do the same thing to people that they don't like, right? For Absolutely. outsiders or anyone who's threatened the, the establishment party interests, the big donors, basically, they want to make sure they can keep those people out. And I mean, that's essentially what happened to us when we, when we were running uh, last year, um, or in 2022. Uh, you know, we were, after we submitted all our documents, uh, Mark Elias's law firm working with the state board of elections. So you have, a, 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 you know, the legal arm of a political party working alongside of government election workers to try and keep another party out of the race. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing on its face is just so so egregious. But what they said was during the month of June, they said we're reviewing all your things. We found some signature sheets that we have questions about. And we turned in about 7,000 signature sheets. And as far as I know, they were talking about 12 seat sheets from one person who was collecting. And that's all the information we ever got from them. We never received any due process. And they said, well, because we suspect fraud, we can't approve you. Oh, and by the <laughs> way, tomorrow is the last day that you can get on the ballot. So guess you're not going to be on the ballot. And so then we went to federal court. We won in federal court. And then the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee which had entered into that lawsuit because we sued the state, not the DSCC. But when uh, what happened after we won in federal court, the Democratic Party intervened and appealed. And then we won in federal appeals court. And meanwhile, the North Carolina Democratic Party had sued to get us off the ballot, which they had to drop because they were going to lose because there's no evidence. But what there also was, was this great media campaign as well, where, yeah, I was getting a ton of media that summer in North Carolina. But it was all basically to answer the question of, Matt, when did you stop forging signatures? Right. And so they, they basically made these things, things up. And you would have you had the public wow. affairs officer, the public relations person. Elizabeth, totally like to get your take on this. Who for the, <laughs> the, state, the state board of elections, public affairs person, their spokesperson telling the media that we have uncovered a universe of fraud. There are thousands of forged signatures. Uh, hmm. He then went on to say, this is a criminal investigation. We are referring this to the state Bureau of Investigation, right, which is yeah. the you know, state police here in North Carolina. And yeah. none of that was true. You, so you had a government spokesperson mm -hmm. blatantly lie, say we had done thousands of forgeries and we were under criminal investigation. Right. And then no repercussions. No, no, no there's never we 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 uh, we tried to get damages in court, but we were unable to do so because the court ruled that, hey, you ended up getting on the ballot, so you have no reason to seek redress here. You don't have you no reason to get damages because you got on the ballot, even though great fraud was committed against us. But then, and that's only one aspect of it. The other aspect of it, just to, if I could be real quick with this as well, 
is the Democratic Party started calling the people who signed our petitions, asking them to take their names off of the petition sheets. And not just leaving at that, they said that they were Green Party officials calling to ask them to remove Oh, themselves man. from i mean it's and it's funny because they called the chair of our state party and he was able to record it so you've got the democratic party well, that's calling good. the chair of the state green party well, saying good. hey i'm from the green party i want you i mean the whole thing and then they went to people's homes and said they were from the state board of elections or from oh, uh the secretary of state's office i mean these are democratic party operatives doing this we have that on video and uh nothing oh. ever came of it you know so like wow. these multiple uh, avenues to keep us off the ballot using incredibly high-powered law firms. We had two lawyers. They said when these when when Elias's law firm came into the court, it was like they were in a movie. Like twelve of them come walking in with their you know, three thousand dollar suits and you know, yeah, no, three hundred dollar hairdos like, and everything else. Yeah, no, they're like a yeah, just mark. to be intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, it's amazing that the Democrat. You know what you're explaining how they have so much um, unity and they have so much money to be able to even do all that, where they found the list of people who had signed the petition. They tracked them down. They went to their homes. They have an awful lot of time on their hands. They got a lot of energy. They got a lot lot of money to do all that. And it doesn't also doesn't make sense. Like you said, well, you got, you got your name on. So therefore you have no reason to, to try to take them to court. It's like, that doesn't make sense. And that's yeah, the. I mean, it that, seems like that. legally they can't even. <sighs> that's it seems like legally you should still be able to, to um, take them to court. But what the know. Dems have, what the Dems have, is a uh, an army of people who do nothing but act politically. They run the ground game. They See, go that's to people's what we houses need just right. like you all. Well, I don't, I don't like it, but yeah, I, I apparently that's what it has to. I don't happen. like it, but I mean, we should play their game against them. That's right. why they don't like Trump. Well, you know. I mean, let me be clear, because I've, I've seen that the Republicans look, I was a whistleblower against a, a, a Republican administration, mm-hmm. uh, the Bush 43 White House. So I've seen similar things on, on the conservative side, too. And so I'm not com- completely convinced that that having that level of firepower available to go after would, would be would be used properly. But my issue, obviously, with Matt, not with Matt, but the way he was treated is that mm-hmm. the you know the republicans have our own pro- trust me we have our own problems i'm dealing with some right now mm-hmm. but what i have a problem with is the hypocrisy matt i mean your party your side mm-hmm. no offense to you mm-hmm. always talks about being pro democracy right and yet here joe biden you know w- one of the clearest departures from that philosophy within the last few days and i don't want to get into this issue regarding taiwan but for, for with that said the taiwan the taiwanese voted overwhelmingly to reelect uh, the party, the the part, the anti-China party, and re- elected a president. The first time a party has won the presidency for three times. A new guy, but same party. And yet, uh, oh, we're not for Taiwan democracy. It's like you don't even have you don't have to say you're going against the PRC, but you got to say people have voted. Maybe they want to go in a different direction than our policy. I mean, how is that possible? Well, that's the way they are. I give you even some some more uh, insidious or, or, or no, I shouldn't say that because certainly what happens with Taiwan and China could be apocalyptic, right? World yes. War three levels. But okay. you know, you look at you know under the Biden White House, which is under the same as the Trump White House, same as the Obama White House, the Bush White House. You know, three out of four 
governments that are classified as not free by, you know, the think tank Freedom House, which is funded by the State Department. So basically, the U.S. government says these countries are not free. Three out of four of those countries, monarchies, military regimes, you know, autocracies, et cetera, um, we sell weapons to. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. in, that right. I mean, like it, it, the this White House in particular claims to be a great ally of uh, LGBTQ people. But there are 12 nations in the world that have a death penalty for people who are LGBTQ. Right. And the United States sells weapons to 10 of them. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. how is that? Why is this? But they continue to say these things. It, it, it's amazing how these are the they, they simply are able to say these things, which is amazing to us because we're not psychopaths, basically. Well, well look, no, no, full disclosure, you know, I advised the Trump administration and I was, you know, in Trump 2020, the National Security Advisor. But one of my friends, Rick Grinnell, is openly gay, was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, never hit. And yet he would speak out against some of these issues internally. Mm -hmm. And because obviously the powers that be, even within the context of Rick Grinnell saying, hey, we're actually funding nations who are against LGBT, nobody listened. So it's yeah. it's not a left or right thing. It's I mean, there are members on the, you know, Rick Grinnell is openly gay and I, 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 it's okay. I mean, I'm not gay, but you know, okay, if you're into that sort of thing, wonderful. I don't care. But Rick's, I consider Rick a friend and, and I, you know, I, I helped him get through confirmation because I thought it was important. With that said, it's like nobody really wants to put the weight behind the ethics of their position. That includes both sides, both political sides. The U.S. used to be the uh, world police. Now it's the world's arms dealer. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. With that, it is time. It's time for Tony's Takes. Oh, it is. Oh, yes. And Tony's Takes is powered by Sig Sauer. Never settle. And we never, never settle questions. You never. did take one of mine, but I want to ask it to you again anyway, uh -oh. because I have a different angle on it. Okay. Okay. All as right. you as you just mentioned, Joe Biden made his comments about uh, Taiwan's independence after the election. He did. Uh, okay. Now, is <laughs> this? I, I believe the man says the quiet part out loud a little bit too much in recent months. Yeah. However, is this set Democrat policy now, or or check this out? Considering who we're talking about, are there other matters, hmm, <laughs> considerations, if you will, at stake? What's your take? So I think that's the, the issue. Uh, I think he misheard the question, Chris. I think he was, they were talking about, I think he thought they were talking about a sizzler and my not North Dakota, not Taiwan. And of course <laughs> he's for the Chinese having access to sizzlers, especially if they have the all you can eat salad bars, because that's important. So I, I do believe that's what he meant. I mean, not that I should correct Joe Biden. Yeah. Huh? I think Biden was thinking about ice cream when they asked the question. Well, you know, it, it's, it's tough to cook. It, it's tough because he's given a choice between tapioca pudding and destroying the world with, with the nuclear briefcase. It's a tough choice yeah. every morning, but it's, it's one it's worth taking. So, well, I'd say with Biden's history, perhaps I don't want him paying attention and being involved and actually being fully involved and thinking he's paying attention. So I think, you yeah, know, you know what, Matthew, a that's a good point, because if he really were, he would most likely make things even worse. Right. So, yeah. That's actually a good point. He, yeah. Well, I was thinking we totally we, we talked we talked earlier about uh, what's happened in the Middle East, but you look at what's occurring right now with Turkey bombing Iraq, Iran bombing mm -hmm. Iraq, U.S. bombing Iraq. That fits very nicely into Joe Biden's 2006 partition Iran plan. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy for it happen, but you can see that thinking uh, that exists. And so, do we really want this guy to follow his ideas? 
to follow yeah. his beliefs, to act uh, the way he's acted before. I'd rather have him disengaged. <laughs> By the way, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, but that was one of the policy points he did promote right. heavily during that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I forgot about I that. I remember that. Uh, here's here's another one, and I, I have this because of the week it is. We have to give you the Chris Christie sized uh, elephant in the room. Okay. <laughs> Well, no. The World the Economic Crisco. Forum is in session this week as we tape the show. Mm-hmm. They seem to be a little bit in a tizzy over what's happening around the world. A potential Trump victory, the yeah. uh, the Malay victory in uh, in Argentina, what happened in uh, in the Netherlands, and what's going on. Possibly a uh, uh, the the right side or the let's say non globalist side gaining more seats in European uh, strongholds of theirs. And of yes. course, uh, again, it's going to happen here in the U.S. Uh, and Let's just let's just ask this question. With the worldwide grassroots takeover as retaliation to their destructive policies, what are your thoughts on what uh, they might try to pull on us in the next, uh, let's say, six to eight months before this so ele- I, before the uh, U.S. elections? I'm glad you brought up Chris Christie because there's a secret plot right now by the European Space Agency to launch Chris Christie into orbit and make him a permanent fixture to cut off the sun from baking the Earth. So I Hello. think it's uh, <laughs> you circle the square with Greta. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think they can put Greta on there to be the permanent kind of uh, steward, making sure that uh, they sell, send up uh, a lot of spaceships with a lot of food to make sure that Chris Christie can kind of eclipse the Earth. I think that's a good job for him. And I think that's what the, that's what the World Economic Forum has in store. Uh, I see, Essentially, I Chris- planet, a planet, uh, instead of planet Claire, you got... Uh, uh, An eclipse? Yeah. A total eclipse of the heart is this, this opens up all sorts of possibilities for, <laughs> for movies, right? I mean, you know, Chris Christie, okay. you know, and you, I love that B 52 song, Chris, we should have somebody on from B 52 so we can get them, uh, be fun, you know, yes. planet Claire, you could now, you know, have, they might uh, not like us, but, uh, we'll, we'll... I like <laughs> them. How could they not like us? But stuff like, Look, Taco likes us. I have, oh. I have actually interviewed two members of the band in the past, but they're, they're pretty cool. So. Oh. Right. That's a difference. That's from solar. All right, Matt, over to you. What do you think? You think, uh, Matt, you know, uh, Chris Christie in orbit's an, an answer? <laughs> well, I, I know that would break the hearts of many uh, right-wing centrist Democrats, you know, the, yeah. the New York Times Democrats who saw uh, Chris Christie as being the great hope of revival for the Republican Party. They saw him as the knight who is going to come forward and defeat the evil Donald Trump and take back the Republican Party and make it into, you know, a willing co-conspirator right. uh, along with the Democratic okay. Party for all these different things. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of broken hearted Democrats that Chris Christie uh, had to face reality and drop out of the race a few weeks ago because no one was supporting him. No, the broken hearts are in get, Hollywood. You get, uh, you get the neocon Nikki now kind of moving yeah. into that space. Right. And, right. The, bro- the true broken hearts are in Hollywood who were about to make uh, – uh, a kitchen, the Dom DeLuise story, and we're hoping that Chris mm. Christie would do the lead role. <laughs> oh my god! Or, or the live-action Dragon Ball movie where he would uh, he would play Majin Buu, the first one, of course. But anyway, anyway, we'll get into that at a different time. He could do right. a remake of uh, Weird Al uh, Weird Al Yankovic's video, uh, Fat, and he wouldn't have to have the fat suit on. Just saying. I like that, but what about the skinny part in the beginning? A corset. Okay, that you problem have to have solved. A stand there we go. For that. All right, there we go. Okay, bring in John Kerry as a stand in for that. I think you know, this, this is funny. I just now saw this. Blinken was briefly stranded in Davos after his plane breaks down. Yeah, that just happened. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Jake Sullivan will be able to give him a ride, I guess. Uh, <gasps> I, I watched Thank him, you, banana. 
I watched him. Uh, I watched him at the uh, World Economic Forum say that Joe Biden is laser focused on getting more money to Ukraine. There you go. We heard your take on that. So let's go to this one. Yeah. It Hold looks on. like before we go, we got to address Jake Sullivan. Matt, yeah. Do you remember the Muppets as a kid? The Muppet Show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Jake I think Sullivan. I know where you're going. Yeah. So Beaker looks just like Jake <laughs> Sullivan. Yeah, he does. Beaker. Yes. He does. Uh -huh. so, yeah. yeah. I All just right. had to throw that in there. Sorry, Chris. No, that's okay. It, it looks like some media outlets, Tony, are making yes. this big thing. It's been about for it's been about two three weeks of, uh, of this, and I know you've you and I have actually touched upon this and passed the hard truths, but now it's become a thing. Uh, a possible rift between the two White House spokespeople, Karine Jean-Pierre and, <laughs> and the guy who's been taking the bulk of the real questions, Admiral John Kirby. John so I need to ask you, between the two, are you a Kirby guy or are you down with KJP? Well, you know, Jean-Luc Picard, uh, Karine Abdul, whatever her name is, is, is quite notable. I think she would have been a great character on Star Trek The Next Generation. Just the hair. Make it so, yeah. sort of, number one. So, uh, but John Kirby, you know, I, I know John and John, if you're listening, you look absolutely marvelous, darling. Absolutely. You know, and it's better to look good and to feel good. And oh you, you, John, you look <laughs> marvelous. Absolutely. He does. I, I think that, uh, uh, John is, uh, if when he's not speaking at the white house, he's over in Georgetown trying to pick out really cool, uh, ties for his suit. <laughs> And, and who can forget oh the God. John Kirby beige day where everything was monochromatic and beige? I mean, that, that to me speaks volumes of his uh, attention to detail. What do you say, Matt? <sighs> yeah, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to be uh, kind and polite, right? And uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm not a, I'll just leave it at I'm not a fan of John Kirby. But certainly I'd love to hear if Elizabeth knew him from so her Chris time. Yeah. Chris, your question was, who would you rather listen to? Who's your more who, favorite cring who cringe? Who is the better or, of the two? I think I would right. I would rather listen to John Kirby because yeah. at least he doesn't repeat the same stupid phrase over and over and over again. Like um, like when I believe, believe it was Peter Ducey had asked her um, about Lon Lloyd Austin and how is it that Biden didn't even know about him? He wasn't even concerned about why he was in the hospital. And she kept saying that same line over and over again. Well, he's on top of mind, top of mind. He's uh, Biden said he's on top of mind. He's on, and she says the same thing over and over. And it's yeah, so exactly. annoying. At and least John way, Kirby doesn't repeat the same thing over again. And his face is a little bit easier to look at, I think. A by the way, on Ducey and uh, and KJP, I think yeah. they, should, they should stop flirting and get a room. Just, just, yes. just do it's that. It's like a okay. love-hate thing. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think uh, KJP I think Peter could really swings around, Ducey's know? way. I, I know Peter, and I, I know, you know. Uh, I'm just saying. Funny. You never know. I mean, heck. You know, J John Kirby's in the Navy. Maybe he and uh, Peter, you know, could go on a date or something. I don't know. You know maybe. No. <laughs> well, I could say yeah. some really bad Navy jokes right now, and I won't because it would get us in huge trouble, just saying. Yeah. yeah the village people wouldn't off. be happy either. So Huge trouble. Song. And I love the Navy. <laughs> I do. You know, I once Matt, just for you, for the record, I, you know, uh, I was at the army Navy game this is a quick wrap up. I, I had to go back when, um, when, uh, I had to meet with, uh, Joe Dunford, chairman Dunford on the field and, uh, uh, Mark Milley was there and Mark and I had agreed to give Joe the game ball. You know, basically I was, I was doing the Fox news coverage that morning. And so the army U S oh. Marine, U S uh, military Academy gave me a ball. So, you know, I got with Mark. Mark and I were at odds over the Bergdahl thing. We kissed him made up, sort of, not literally. Yeah. Nobody get ideas here. 
He wasn't wearing high heels that day. That oh, is Mark. Okay. Just staying. And then, so when we got together, we actually got on the field and we got a picture of this. this is, it's on my on social media. And basically, Mark and I gave Joe Dunford, Herman Dunford, the, the game ball. And as I was giving it to Joe, I said, Joe, this is to remind you that if it wasn't for the Marine Corps, the Navy wouldn't be a service. And it's, I think it's true. I think it's true. <laughs> I know we all laughed about. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, as a Marine, part of the Naval Service, yeah, plenty of, plenty of of, of jokes that way. Yeah, um, but yeah. So we can at least agree upon that. See, we all came together in unity there at right. the end of the show. So, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, we've been joined by my friend Matt Hill. Matt, it was great catching up with you. I appreciate you being here. I thought we've had a great discussion. Yeah, thanks, Tony. It's really good to see you, man. Really good to see you. And Chris, you Elizabeth, great to meet you guys. Yeah, we'll great. Be back again, again. Rally Ho. Yeah. yeah. Tally Ho, we'll be back again next week with more of the hard truth. Tony Schaefer, we'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>